0: Hey, the weather here has been insane, so my allergies are just like, ugh, today. Fun. Yeah. How about you? How are you doing? You know,
1: I'm hanging in there. No complaints. I baked cookies for about nine hours today.
0: Oh, how many cookies did you get in nine hours?
1: Uh shit ton. I made five different kinds, and each of them are like two to three dozen, so I'm, yeah.
0: Wow, what kind of cookies?
1: Uh, I made Snickerdoodles. Yum. Chocolate chip, yum. Melted snowman sugar cookies, ooh. Mm-hmm. Uh, crinkle like the chocolate crinkle ones and what? buckeye balls.
0: I am not familiar with like half of those cookies, but they sound amazing. Turned
1: out pretty well. I'm very tired though. Oh, you've been a little Keebler elf. You know, just me and my tree trying to get on that fairy level like you. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh, welcome to Supposedly. This time oh, yeah. we'll introduce ourselves uh, before we talk about weird stuff, I guess. So, hey. We're not
1: off to a great start. I'm Rue, though. Hey.
0: Jesse, Welcome back. So, how you been?
1: Anything new and exciting? Yeah, something new and exciting. Okay, tell me. Uh, you let me know last night that we have hit 100 Instagram followers. Yes, that's very exciting. We're happy to have all of you. Thanks for following us on the gram. Pop on over to
0: our Facebook and give us some likes there.
1: No, I was really excited. I saw that at, like, 5 a.m.
0: I know. I got the message, and I was like, isn't it the middle of the night for you? You were like, uh, why are you here?
1: And I was like, um, don't worry about it,
0: maybe. Well, I was thinking about you earlier. I was having one of those sad, lonely nights, and I'm like, I wish I could talk to Rue. And then you messaged me, and I was like, wait, why are you up? Because I've already checked the time to see if I could text you, like, six times, and it was no each time, so. (laughs) It was no. Clock said no. That's funny. The clock. Yeah,
1: Jessie uh, texted me not too long ago and was like, hey, I got a uh, Amazon Echo Show deal. And she's like, now I can look up what time it is there. And I was like, you had Google. Look, and I use it.
0: However, it's a lot easier for me being the ADD mess that I am to just spout my thoughts out loud than it is to actually go through a task of doing it.
1: Yeah, no, I I feel that. It's just the amount of times that we have not been on the same page for what time it is. I'm like, yay, Jesse has an outlet to know what time it is here for our midnight versus 5am. Yeah, I like to text you in the middle of the night a lot. And that part, I I don't really care. You can text me in the middle
0: of the night all
1: you want because it will not wake me up.
0: It's usually me watching terrible movies and my crappy reviews of them for you. Uh, That's all I want. In some sleep delusional state, this week I reviewed Pop Star. It's a movie starring Aaron Carter. And back when I was a huge Aaron Carter fan as a teenager, well, preteen and teenager, Mm -hmm. I watched this movie and I described it back then as if somebody had taken a dump in my DVD player. So when it popped up on HBO Max, I was like, I have to know if it's just as bad as I thought back then. And Rue, it was worse.
1: I can't imagine it aged very
0: well. Well, the writing is terrible. yeah. The acting's not so great. The tropes were completely and 100% overdone. Oh, yeah. I feel like this was just a tax write-off from some, like, weird music manager or something. Do we think maybe that it was, like, a money laundering scheme? I do. I do. I definitely do. But it surprised the crap out of me when it popped up on HBO Max. I was like, really? Really, HBO? Okay. Alright, let's do this. Well, and the idea
1: that it's on HBO Max, which is a nice service that's kind of
0: pricey, but
1: that's the caliber that we're working with.
0: Look, there's HBO Go, there's HBO Now, and there's HBO Max, and HBO Max is like the mecca of all the HBOs. Like, think of it as the top of the pyramid of power of the HBO universe there, and to find a movie as terrible as Popstar on it, it just really blew my
1: mind. So I I looked it up. Because I just want some facts. Yeah, and you have to specifically Google "pop star movie" Aaron Carter. Because if you Google "pop star," you get the DJ Khaled song. If you Google "pop star movie," you get the 2016 documentary. Fair. You have to go all the way. The SEO on this is not great. Yeah, IMDb gives it 2.6 out of 10. Oh, that is generous of them. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes is especially generous at a whopping 56%.
0: What? No way. Yeah. Ugh. Okay, this, there's a conspiracy theory here. There is. We'll find it. This is going to be our
1: next episode, I
0: think. Um, We're going to turn some people against us with the the music industry at Jive Records is going to be coming for us.
1: It doesn't even say it's gross. Anything? Returns doesn't say it's budget they're ashamed if you go on the wikipedia page i'm
0: telling you it's a tax it's a tax write-off or something and i have this theory so do you know the backstreet boys were put together originally by a man named lou oh let me look up his name real quick ferrigno what no it's not lou ferrigno okay hang on give me one second and throw some music in here or something while i look this up Back streets, back, okay. Okay, so his name is Lou Pearlman, right? Okay, So yeah. he puts together the Backstreet Boys, and later he gets put away and arrested on a lot of counts of just, like, bullshit. Yeah. So, he was accused of running one of the largest and longest-running Ponzi schemes in the U.S. history, leaving more than $300 million in debts. So... He was already Mm -hmm. a pretty questionable guy. He then goes on to create NSYNC, which was the replacement at the time for the Backstreet Boys, and their largest competitor. And, of course, Backstreet Boys' Nick Carter is the older brother of Aaron Carter, so Lou Pearlman had a lot of kind of pull in aaron carter's career as well so i'm wondering if this pop star thing all goes into one of his schemes it has to. he does make an appearance he makes an appearance for like one second in the film and i'm like oh i got you you asshole i know why you did this it's
1: like his stanley cameo
0: it was (laughs) terrible there are characters that don't Uh, need to exist there's uh, the mass over sexualization of young girls it's a terrible movie yeah So while we're kind of adjacent
1: to Backstreet Boys, since I did reference everybody, Backstreet's back all right. All right. I want to have a little conversation about that song. Have you ever thought, really sat and thought about how weird it is to ask your four closest friends if you're sexual? Am I sexual? Yeah. Yeah. Am I the only one? And I love that they are just hype men. That they're like, yeah, <laughs> like... <laughs> am I everything you wanted that Or rock your body now? Yeah, because I can't imagine being that on board with it that quickly. Like, if we were just hanging out one day and you turned to me and you, like, did a body roll it's and like, you were like, rude. am I sexual? <laughs> am I, don't, I sexual? I don't know that my first response would be, yeah. In perfect harmony... With our other three friends, I think you just laugh at me for a bit. Yeah, I think I would just laugh at, it. or I would make like the Chloe gif. You know, the Chloe goes to Disney World. It's just that little blonde girl in the back seat, just like sneering. She's like, "What?" <laughs> like, okay. I think that's my initial response. I don't think that my initial response is,
0: "Yeah." That's true. True. Yeah, I
1: love that music video. That music video is the best thing I've ever seen. It is
0: lit. I mean, you've got Nick Carter as a mummy. Uh, Who was it? Was it AJ as the vampire? Yeah, you've got... There's a
1: werewolf werewolf. in there. Yeah, it's Uh, so good. It is, in my humble opinion, that no one asked for, the sequel to Thriller.
0: I think that people will be very displeased with that opinion, but I agree
1: with it. But I think it's the most effective use of weirdly putting horror where it doesn't necessarily belong in a pop music video.
0: Yeah! And one that has absolutely nothing to do with that song whatsoever. Right! Like, we didn't
1: need them to be in a haunted mansion. We didn't need them to be shape-shifting. It's a song about am I sexual, and there's a werewolf present! This is Halfway (laughs) to Twilight! (laughs) (laughs)
0: Maybe that's why they went with that Like, I know Twilight wasn't a thing back then But obviously the teen, young adult, Mm. supernatural, romance crossover Has been there for such a long time Maybe they just kinda um, If you hear a lot of stuff going on in the background That is my big fluffy cat little face Who decided she's got zoomies And wants to jump up on doorways And run around right now, so Brilliant She sounds like a little wrecking ball Coming into all sorts of different areas Yeah, a little bit also, they shot in the Casper house for that, I believe. The mansion that was in Casper? Huh. So I produced a music video a while back for Radar State, which is um, a group composed of the members of the Get Up Kids and um, a couple of the only children and the gadgets came together to make this super group called uh, Radar State. And I... I used that Backstreet Boys video as part of my inspiration in the vision for it. I was working with Josh Borwanger, who's a singer and guitarist, and also my ex, who was doing this video. Yeah. And I kept trying to be like, hey, can... Because he's really supernatural. He wanted someone to be a werewolf and someone to be a vampire. And I was like, okay, can we kind of go off of this little bit stylized? Because I yeah. feel like they did a really good job of not making it cheesy, mm-hmm. but also bringing a unique style to it. So I was, I was kind of like that. And I may have made him be the mummy because of Nick Carter's mummy because he had the hair that was sticking out, and I was like, oh, that's perfect. Because I liked Nick Carter's hair sticking out of the mummy costume. I thought that was kind of a cool Mm -hmm. thing. So.
1: Yeah. I mean, I feel like part of his contract was that his hair had to be perfect and involved in everything. So he was like, oh, if I'm the mummy, we're not going to cover that shit up with (laughs) bandages (laughs) friends. My hair is my money right here.
0: Yeah, it could be. Also, um... I, I've got mad love for the Backstreet Boys because when I was yeah. a little preteen, me and my friend Shard V, we go to the Backstreet Boys concert, mm-hmm. and Mix 93.3 was shooting t-shirts out of one of those t-shirt cannons, nice. right? Nice, yep. And some, like, methed out older lady jumps in front of our little, like, 12-year-old bodies <sighs> and, like, knocks us down to get this t-shirt. She didn't even have kids with her. But Mix 93.3 saw that and felt so bad for, like, Shara and me mm-hmm. that they gave us, they upgraded our seats. Nice. And Nick Carter waved to me once and I was like, Ahh! oh my god!
1: And that's still your best day ever. I probably had better days,
0: but, like, for a so. preteen, that was, like, worth it, man. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I hope that the last 20 plus years have had at least one better day than him waving at you. <laughs> Yeah, me too. You've had some me cool too. things happen to you. I've
0: had some awesome things happen yeah. to me. I've had a really cool life so far. Yeah. It's, uh, 2020's obviously sucky and not cool. It's just a write-off. But I've gotten to do some amazing things that I don't think a lot of other people get the opportunities to do. Yeah. And I'm eternally grateful for that. You've
1: been in some really cool rooms.
0: I've been in cool rooms? <laughs> well,
1: yeah, but like just you know you've gotten to have experiences and be around things and adjacent to things especially with doing like producer stuff that it's yeah. just like you've gotten to see a lot of stuff that I don't think most people even know exists
0: yeah I got to tour with Josh and uh yeah. his his group Burwanger as well as um Radar State and I toured with um one of his other groups and like yeah. why am I blanking on the anniversary Mm-hmm. I got to do that, amazing things. Um, yeah. Being on infomercial sets is a dream every day. I love what I do. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've gotten to make some awesome movies with some incredible people.
1: Yeah, I mean, you literally um, have a fake head. Like, how many people can say that they have a fake head? Yeah, and then you get the weird problems that come with that. Like, Right. <laughs> See episode, what is it, like seven for that recap? Yeah.
0: <laughs> but man, like, I've gotten to do some incredible things. And yeah. to think that I've done it all from Kansas is pretty sweet. Sorry, I got away from my mic there, because I dropped my, my charger on my laptop. Ah, gotcha. I got to be in a, a documentary series that followed me all throughout high school, so um, I still have that, and I can look back on all the years I was a terrible person.
1: Um, <laughs> I am so glad I do not share that experience with you. That was, it was a lot, man. Yeah. Like, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think most people want to look back on their intimately filmed high school experience i think most of us just want to burn those memories
0: i think it's one of those things where time does a great job of kind of blurring the effects of the past um but when you're on camera during some of these most formative years where you're screwing up you're making mistakes you're becoming the person that you're becoming um you know you have a, a very clear concise actual documentation of mm-hmm. what that period was like. So time doesn't get to do that wibbly-wobbly, blur the, yeah. the edges and kind of smooth everything out mm-hmm. in your memories. You're like, oh, no, I was I was a mess, and I can see that. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. I just don't want to see myself at that age. <laughs> like, I look back on some of those photos, and I'm like, oh, girl, what was you doing?
0: Oh, man. Like, I didn't think about it at the time, because, yeah. you know, I was kind of newer to television and stuff. Mm-hmm. I'd done a lot of plays, so I wasn't really yeah. new to acting. But... I wore the same shirt in so many of my interviews through the the years. Because it was, like, my favorite. Yeah. That when the the documentary came together as a whole, it looks like I'm wearing one shirt for, like, four years. Which I was. But it's just I happen to wear it every time I was interviewed. Because I'm like, oh, I like this shirt. And I forgot that I wore it the time before. <laughs>
1: Very Dwight Shrewd of you.
0: And then they have this one clip that I like to refer in my head to as Jesse Gets Boobs. Because... <laughs> In the clip before that, I'm talking, and I'm completely flat-chested, like a little freshman. In the next clip, I'm talking, and, like, I've got these, like, CD cups, and I just happen to look down to pull my shirt up, but the way it's edited, almost looks like, oh, hey, look, I got boobs! (laughs) Well, and because you're
1: wearing the same shirt, it just looks like a time-lapse.
0: Yeah, I think it's a different shirt, but similar. It's just like, hey, boobs! Uh, that's funny. Anyway, that's kind of funny so you are up first this week I am we're back to
1: haunted holidays haunted holidays yeah it is our third edition of haunted holidays yeah it
0: is all right we're getting close to uh to the big Christmas yeah, yeah. um so we had given a shout out to our hanukkah mm-hmm. uh, listeners last last podcast yep um it's the 17th do you what well, we've been recording again before the 26th do you think okay Um, I didn't think so either but let's give a shout out to our Kwanzaa yeah happy Kwanzaa friends on the 26th Kwanzaa starts so if you're listening to this this is our probably last episode recorded before Kwanzaa starts Mm -hmm. so happy Kwanzaa
1: happy Kwanzaa and Merry Christmas and happy December happy holidays happy Yule happy 2020's almost over
0: Hanukkah, Merry Christmas, and I'm sure there's a bunch of other holidays we're missing. So just, happy season to you all. Yay! Haunted holidays! So, tonight I wanted to kind of
1: put a little, not a conspiracy, but just a question to bed. Oh! Okay. So a lot of people are listening or having thrust upon them holiday music right now. And by holiday music, I mean Christmas music, unless it is Puppy for Hanukkah by the guys from Clipping or uh, Adam Sandler, Eight Crazy Nights, entire soundtrack. Other than that, it's it's all Christmas yeah. music. And there's a lot
0: of it, and most of it's not great. What do you feel about Christmas music? Because I hate it. I
1: like about four songs, and that's okay. that's it.
0: That's, like, what makes your holiday season... Yeah. Those are the ones... What are they?
1: I really like Last Christmas okay. by Wham. Um, I wish it was appropriate to listen to it more than just at Christmas. Okay, fair. Because I think it's a nice, like, sad, fuck you breakup song. Okay. I think we've all felt like, you know, I gave you my heart and you did Sad, fuck you breakup, yeah. yeah. Yeah, like, it's, it's, yeah. Um, What else do I like? I I will occasionally enjoy the sappy kind of like traditional ones like once
0: is that your christmas shoes thing you made me no
1: not like the sad ones but like just the you know traditional crosby they're kind of fun yeah um david bowie does a wonderful little drummer boy okay yeah um what else do i like now i'm like what songs exist yeah, that one's pretty solid. I like um, Simply Having a Wonderful Christmas Time or mm-hmm. whatever the hell it's called. Uh, Paul McCartney. Yeah, there's a couple of them. Yeah,
0: for me, I love Hanson's Snowden album. It's their Christmas album. Yeah. That's, like, my go-to because it takes me back to being mm-hmm. a young preteen and having the tree decorated and all my family around back when that was a thing. Yeah. Um, and then I like some Mariah Carey songs for Christmas. Mm-hmm. Uh, but other than that, I'm done with Christmas music. Yeah. My Christmas music window is very small and it closes fast. I will not let anybody play Christmas yeah. music around me until after Thanksgiving. Oh, yeah. And yes. then I want it done the day after Christmas. You're done. Like, Christmas night yeah. is the last time you get to blast Christmas music. And then we're done. We're going to put it away. Yep. yep. You had your window. Yep.
1: Yeah, my mom uh texted me and asked me if I'd watched... Because Netflix has a couple great Christmas movies out this year. Jingle Jangles, one of them that looks fabulous... Oh, I know. I, that's on my watch list. Um, Christmas Chronicles yep. also. like also I there. I want to watch both of those. To me, it is not appropriate to watch a Christmas film until the 21st of December. And you got okay. four days. Let's get in, let's get out, let's get it over with. I, I don't want the Christmas season
0: to be as long as it is. Yeah. Christy's Kids came over early and we did early Christmas. I think I had mentioned that to you. Yeah. Um, so our Christmas is over. It was over right. on the 6th. And I got to say freaking loved early Christmas. Yeah. My shopping's done. Yeah. Everything's wrapped up right after yeah. Thanksgiving. We're not playing Christmas music anymore. On Christmas yeah. Day, we might actually watch a Christmas movie or two. I don't know. But, yeah. like, it's done. It's fantastic. Yeah. It's the 2020 Christmas experience for me. Love it. That, that was the perfect Christmas for 2020. Just, like, get it done with. Let's yeah. move on. Yeah.
1: I. Uh... I enjoy non-traditional Christmas activities. Like, I like the things that, like, people weirdly make traditions. Oh, me too. Like, last year, Darnell and I had a Tom Hanks marathon for Christmas, and it turns out a lot of Tom Hanks movies are weirdly Christmas-oriented. I love it. Like, uh, Castaway. We watched Castaway yeah! for Christmas and didn't even think of it being a Christmas film, but that's why he's on the flight, is because it's, like, Christmas Eve and they're trying to get packages to the post office.
0: Oh my god, I to watch castaway now yeah I love castaway i'm not crazy about the ending
1: but no one's crazy about the ending i know you would really you would really struggle in castaway
0: oh look i'm we've already talked about how if i end up on a deserted island i'm just taking myself out with a rock after a certain amount of time like i'm not gonna try to eat i i'm gonna make a shelter i like making things oh yeah but like after two days when i get hungry i'm like oh it's rock time Yeah, because I know you with the
1: seafood is not happening, and it's really hard to sustain enough caloric intake on coconuts.
0: Yeah, I hate seafood and I hate coconuts, so unless they have some sort of birds, which I'm sure they might, but, like, I'm not going to be able to catch a bird. Yeah. I'm not going to lull myself into thinking I could catch a bird. I'd make a trap, and I'd sit there for two days, and then I'd realize, like, oh, crap, I don't know how to make a bird trap. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah. you know, rock for me. Yeah. You got like a, Okay, so if I ever end up missing, like, on a deserted island, mm-hmm. this is your guys' notice, you got about a three-day window before I'm rocking myself. Okay. After three days, maybe <laughs> dial back the search a little bit, because I'm not there.
1: <laughs> Jesse's going to be rocking around the Christmas tree. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so the, the question that we're putting to bed today is why... In the song, The Most Wonderful Time of Year, the line, scary ghost stories and tales of the glories of Christmases long, long ago exists.
0: Oh, I figured that was a nod to Charles Dickens. Kind of. But that
1: does such a disservice to so many other wonderful authors.
0: Okay, well, I'm excited to hear about this then. Okay, so... Modern
1: listeners are like, oh, yeah, I guess it's Charles Dickens, or people are just weird. I don't know. Maybe it just rhymes. But actually... Way to insult my... I just assumed it was Charles Dickens. I didn't insult him. I'm just like, yeah, it's one of the common... Yeah, right. It's one of the
0: common okay. assumptions. Uh, but no, it turns
1: out that this is rooted in a Victorian tradition.
0: Ooh, a tales of Christmases long, long ago? That's pretty long, long ago. Yeah. So they like to tell ghost stories at Christmas while you roast your chestnuts, and, um... They did, yeah. So
1: during the mid-19th century, there was a fascination with ghosts in the afterlife, as we see with the spiritualism movement. We've got Houdini popping off, we've got seances, we've got, you know, all the all the spooky spiritualism stuff is happening. And it's also no coincidence that this is when Charles Dickens wrote A Christmas Carol... Uh, which he wrote in 1843. And so it also kind of, like everything else we've talked about during Haunted Holidays, stems from the pagan beliefs that during the solstice, the longest night of the year, the veil between our world and the next is particularly thin.
0: I didn't know that Christmas thinned the veil as, like, an All Hallows' Eve would.
1: Yeah. It's something to do with, or one, one school of belief is that because the night is so long, That there is more opportunity for stuff to pop off. I can see that. Yeah, I mean, it checks out for me. So part of the Victorian tradition comes from storytelling just naturally taking place. So people would get together for Christmas because that's a thing you can do sometimes when there's not a pandemic. And, you know, you're getting together with a bunch of your friends and family and you've had a good meal. It's cold outside, but it's warm inside by the fire. You're maybe passing around some mulled wine. Everyone's feeling good and they're bored as hell because no one's just like putting on the record. Or watching TV, watching Elf. And you're really rude if you're
0: reading a novel in the corner by yourself.
1: Right. And so you naturally just kind of start to tell stories. And especially because of the spiritualism movement, a lot of people wanted to tell ghost stories. I love it. We should bring it back. I want to bring it back as well. It's actually, and it's kind of funny that you and I want to bring it back because it's thought that a majority of people who wrote ghost stories during this time were women.
0: I could see that. Uh, Yeah. Is Mary Shelley around this time? I think Mary Shelley... A little later. A little little
1: later, later? but she's around that time too, yeah. So yeah, a lot of women were the ones writing science fiction, which I feel like gets erased a lot in history. I mean, but yeah. 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 (laughs) Yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah. In addition to Dickens, popular authors were E.F. Benson... Algernon Blackwood, J. H. Riddell, and later on A. M. Burridge and M. R. James.
0: Are all those initials because they're women?
1: Some of them might be. Um, I know that Elizabeth Gaskell, I wanna say, was a really popular one later on. And I think part of it too is that that they're not necessarily remembered by name, but like the stories would be passed around. But it's thought that if we could trace back the origin that we'd find a lot more women were the ones telling those stories. So I thought, since this is Christmas week, and maybe people are listening to this episode while preparing their Christmas feast, or wishing that they were with friends and glad they're not with family, or something along those lines.
0: Or sitting alone crying into a bowl of popcorn watching a teen flick from years ago. That part too. I thought
1: it would be kind of fun to read you guys a ghost story. Yes, please. Okay. Okay. So this is from, like, 1900, I think, and it is by Alfred Burridge, who we talked about. This story of Smee. Not to be confused with the Captain Hook character, or the Peter Pan character. I I love
0: Smee. I do, too. Is it
1: Smitty? Is it Smitty or Smee? Smee. Okay. Because looking the story up, I had a lot of... Did you mean? No, no, I didn't mean. (laughs) I did not mean. All right, so it's not super long, but we're going to go ahead and give it a read. No, said Jackson with a shy little smile. I'm sorry, I won't play hide and seek. It was Christmas Eve and there were 14 of us in the house. We'd had a good dinner and we were all in the mood for fun and games. All that is, except Jackson. When somebody suggested hide and seek, there were loud shouts of agreement. Jackson's refusal was the only one. It was not like Jackson to refuse to play a game. Aren't you feeling well? Someone asked. And don't like, you can interrupt me and have commentary. Don't just let me read you a story like I'm a librarian. Oh,
0: oh I'm sorry. I was really enjoying no, it. No, I, I was just Actually, like, oh, let me
1: tell you that you're allowed to interrupt me. Okay.
0: Okay. Sorry, I was into it. Um, although, whenever hide-and-seek gets brought up in a ghost story, I feel like I know where it's going. Well, it might be because of Smee.
1: I'm perfectly all right, thank you, he said. But, he added with a smile that softened his refusal but did not change it, I'm still not playing hide-and-seek. Why not? Someone asked. He hesitated for a moment before replying. I sometimes go and stay at a house where a girl was killed. She was playing hide-and-seek in the dark. She didn't know the house very well. There was a door that led to the servant's staircase. When she was chased, she thought the door led to a bedroom. She opened the door and jumped and landed at the bottom of the stairs. She broke her neck, of course
0: stop there okay because i didn't know you could run in hide and seek i thought you hid and if you're found you're found so this girl was already one breaking the rules a little rebellious child here she broke her rules and she broke her neck that i'm not saying that breaking rules leads to neck breaking but i am saying like
1: but it is a good cautionary tale
0: it is a cautionary tale that you know some rules are there for a reason yeah like um, so I, I'm guessing they were playing a version where you hide and if you're found, then you can run as long as you're not tagged. Or maybe she took too long during the counting phase and couldn't yeah. find a spot and then she just ran to find the spot and boom. That I would get. I anyway. have known some people who play that.
1: You can move, that you don't have to stay in the same spot.
0: I think that's stupid.
1: It is. And maybe that's what Jackson thinks as well.
0: I know that there are probably a lot of adults out there playing hide and seek with their kids right now just yeah. so they can hide in the cupboard and eat their chocolate secret stash. A staff.
1: thousand percent.
0: And get like two minutes away from their kids. Yep. So here's to you, mommy, playing hide and seek. <laughs> Listening to our podcast.
1: You eat those tortilla <laughs> chips.
0: You you get that chocolate, girl. We won't tell. <laughs> All right. You get to move. <laughs> There's your exception to the rule. Parents get to move if they're eating their secret chocolate
1: staff. If you pay the bills, you get to play hide-and-seek however you however want. However you want. Yep. yep. All right. Yep. Supposedly house rules. We all looked serious. Mrs. Fernley said, how terrible. And were you there when it happened? Jackson shook his head sadly. No, he said, but I was there when something else happened. Something worse. <gasps> what could be worse than that? This was, said Jackson. He hesitated for a moment, then he said, I wonder if any of you have ever played a game called Smee. It's much better than Hide and Seek. The name comes from It's Me, of course. Perhaps you'd like to play it instead of Hide and Seek. Let me tell you the rules of the game. Every player is given a sheet of paper. All the sheets except one are blank. On the last sheet of paper is written Smee. Nobody knows who Smee is except Smee, himself or herself. You turn out the lights and Smee goes quietly out of the room and hides. After a time... The others go off to search, but of course they don't know who they are looking for. When one player meets another, he challenges him by saying, Smee. The other player answers, Smee, and they continue searching.
0: Is this just Among Us? I, it could be. I was thinking, when the lights go on, wouldn't you just look around the room and be like, all right, well, Tom's gone. Yeah, probably. (laughs) Let's go look for Tom, or do you all have to be back to back and then wander out aimlessly and, like... Are you in different rooms? It just seems like there's a hole in this logic.
1: This guy's not very good at explaining the
0: rules. Maybe he's making it up on the spot. Maybe. Okay, so Smee. You find another, like, okay, I find you in the hall, and you're not Smee, and I'm not Smee. Right. And I say Smee, and you say... Smee? And then we're like... We're we're like, okay, not us, and then
1: we go eat tortilla chips in the cupboard. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Okay. But the real Smee doesn't answer when someone challenges... The second player stays quietly beside him. Presently, they will be discovered by a third player. He will challenge and receive no answer, and he will join the first two. This goes on until all the players are in the same place. The last one to find Smee has to pay a forfeit. It's a good, noisy, amusing game. In a big house, it often takes a long time for everyone to find Smee. Perhaps you'd like to try. I'd happily pay my forfeit and sit here by the fire while you play.
0: How do you play uh pay a forfeit? You just you miss the next turn? I guess so. Okay. It sounds like
1: Jackson just really doesn't want to play. He's
0: like, I'll just sit by the fire, it's fine. Yeah, I don't wanna do anything. You guys play.
1: Yeah. It sounds like a good game, I remarked. Have you played it too, Jackson? Yes, he answered. I played it in the house that I was telling you about. And she was there? The girl who broke? (laughs) The girl who broke. Oh man. (laughs) She a broke bitch. Like (laughs) me. (laughs) Likes me. Oh, my goodness. Okay, if that's not the episode title, you're fired. <laughs> uh, that's fair. Yeah. No, no, said someone else. He told us he wasn't there when she broke her neck. Jackson thought for a moment. I don't know if she was there or not. I'm afraid she was. I know that there were 13 of us playing the game, and there were only 12 people in the house. And I didn't know the dead girl's name. But I heard that whispered name in the dark. It didn't worry me. But I tell you, I'm never going to play that kind of game again. It made me quite nervous for a long time. I prefer to pay my forfeit at once. Oh, so he just wants to sit it out because he's scared.
0: Oh, but you guys should go ahead and play. Yeah. This guy is like, like a, like a, uh, what's his name? Like an asshole. No, the (laughs) guy who whitewashed the fence. who Tom Sawyer. Tom Sawyer. He's Tom Sawyer. Yeah. He's like, yeah, you guys go ahead and wash this fence. I'm just going to chill over here and watch you guys be idiots. Okay. Okay.
1: We all stared at him. His words did not make sense at all.
0: I agree. Yeah, these are some sketchy instructions at best. Maybe you guys can play some SME for yeah, the holidays. Let, let us, us know, know how, it how it goes.
1: Tim Vouse was the kindest man in all the world. He smiled at us all. This sounds like an interesting story, he said. Come on, Jackson. You can tell it to us instead of paying a forfeit. Very well, said Jackson. And here is his story.
0: He's playing the yup. Oh, oh, fine. Fine. All will yeah. uh, I have predictions on how I think this let's is going to go. Let's hear them. But, um, I think the girl's ghost is going to be Smee, and everyone just stands behind her and doesn't know it's Smur. Oh <laughs> uh, All right, let's see what happens. Have you met the
1: Sangstons? They're cousins of mine, and they live in Surrey. Five years ago, they invited me to go and spend Christmas with them. It was an old house with lots of unnecessary passages and staircases. A stranger could get lost in there quite easily.
0: I feel like Jackson's an orphan. Probably. He's definitely a tag-along kid, much like myself is. Yeah. Yeah. He was just always there. Yeah. Okay. He's not with a family affiliation. He's just like, "Yeah, yeah,
1: okay. Well, I went down for that Christmas. Violet Sangston promised me that I knew most of the other guests. Unfortunately, I couldn't get away from my job until Christmas Eve.
0: How old is he? It's like the eighteen hundreds. He's probably like six. Well, he's an old, so he, this poor Jackson is an orphan who's encountered a ghost. And I'm just gonna assume that he works on shoes. What What do you think his job is? A chimney sweep? Uh, yeah, something dirty. Something Factory, dirty. maybe shoes. Yeah.
1: Shoes. Okay. All right. All the other guests had arrived there the previous day. I was the last to arrive, and I was only just in time for dinner. I said hello to everyone I knew, and Violet Sangston introduced me to the people I didn't know. Then it was time to go into dinner. That is perhaps why I didn't hear the name of a tall, dark-haired, handsome girl whom I hadn't met before.
0: Ooh, sounds like Jackson has a crush.
1: Right? I, I wish we still used handsome for ladies.
0: Really? I don't like it for women.
1: I think for, not all women, but I think there are some women who it really... Applies for? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think if you're, like, a tall, strapping young lass, I think that's a handsome gal. <laughs> okay, yeah, sure. <laughs> I, I don't know. Like, Gina Carano could be handsome.
0: Okay, all right. Um. Oh, what's the woman? Tilda Swanson. Tilda Swinton, yeah. She could be handsome. Yeah. yeah. She could be handsome. Yeah.
1: Okay. I like it for... I like it as an option. I don't know that I would use it for myself. It's a default? Yeah, but I like it being a possibility. Okay. Alright, so his girlfriend Tilda Swinton's there. But with dark hair. She's wearing a wig. But with dark hair, yeah. It's it's for a role. She's yeah. growing it back out after Doctor Strange. Fair. She looked cold and clever. She didn't look at all friendly, but she looked interesting. And I wondered who she was. Maybe it is Tilda Swinton. Yeah. I didn't ask. Mysterious. Because I was Mysterious. sure that someone would speak to her by name during the meal. Unluckily, however, I was a long way away from her at the table. I was sitting next to Mrs. Gorman, and as usual, Mrs. Gorman was being very bright and amusing. Her conversation is always worth listening to, and I completely forgot to ask the name of the dark, proud girl. There were twelve of us, including Sanxtons themselves. We were all young, or trying to be young, Jack and Violet Sankston were the oldest, and their 17-year-old son, Reggie, the youngest. Okay, so Jackson's between 17 and the age of a parent of a 17-year-old. Oh, I expected him to be much younger.
0: I did, too. I was thinking, like, 7.
1: I was thinking, like, 12. 6.
0: 12? You were thinking 12? He speaks in, like, legitimate grown-up sentences. Everybody did back then. Well, that's
1: fair. Um, Okay. It was Reggie who suggested Smee when the talk turned to games. He told us the rules of the game, just as I've described them to you. Jack Sankson warned us all. If you're going to play games in the dark, he said, please be careful of the back stairs on the first floor. A door leads to them, and I've often thought about taking the door off. In the dark, a stranger to the house could think they were walking into a room. A girl really did break her neck on those stairs. That's just the story you tell
0: when people come over? Yeah, I guess. Well, I tell people- we tell people about Jim when they come over sometimes. Yeah, but you know Jim as a ghost, not- Hey, did I ever
1: tell you about the time a girl died here? Like, while I lived here? Like- Oh. Yeah. Like, did I ever tell you about the time I saw a bloody fucking corpse of a broken girl?
0: Yeah. Like-
1: Good point. But wait- It's different when it's a cute house ghost who knocks on
0: the door. See, now I'm thinking that maybe they moved into this house and it was uh, the lore of the house that this had happened I guess in years prior before they owned it, but maybe I'm just assuming things. Maybe it did happen while they're there. Yeah. I don't know.
1: So Jackson said, hold on. Okay. We're about to get some answers. I asked
0: how it happened. Yeah.
1: It was about 10 years ago before we came here. Okay. So it is just a ghost story then. Yeah. They didn't leave. There was a party, and they were trying to play hide-and-seek. This girl heard somebody was coming and ran along the passage to get away. She opened the door, thinking it led to a bedroom. She planned to hide in there until the seeker had gone. Unfortunately, it was the door that led to the back stairs. She fell straight down to the bottom of the stairs. She was dead when they picked her up. Gosh, that's such a me move. It kind of is. I love you a bunch, but...
0: No, like, I'm terribly clumsy, and I have no sense of direction. Like, if you find me at the bottom of the stairs, I probably wasn't pushed. No staircase here. <laughs> yeah, I'm I am very clumsy. But <laughs> so, my weirdest
1: experience playing hide-and-seek was, I think I was, like, nine, probably, okay. and it was the little girl's birthday party, and we were all playing hide-and-seek. And I'm, I can be pretty good at hide-and-seek. I'm a very quiet, sneaky person, uh-huh. just... It's how I operate. I scare Darnell just by appearing all and don't mean it. Yeah, you've got some ninja steps. You know, it's the theater in me. You <laughs> you do enough backstage work, you learn how to be quiet and sneaky. But yeah, so I'm just, I'm hiding really, really well, and I'm hiding in a bathtub. It's the kind that has, like, the shower curtain around it was a shower-bath combo. Okay.
0: So are you laying in the bottom of the bathtub, or are you standing up? Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, okay, so you always lay in the bottom of the bathtub, yeah. so if they go like this and reveal the curtain nothing
1: there right right they gotta look down yeah uh someone i still don't know who i think it was a grown-up person though judging by the the shadow i could see through the shower curtain came in and peed oh and you
0: just kind (laughs) of laid there
1: a i was terrified of what to do because i was like nine and i was like this is awkward because peeing's right
0: right i probably would have just pretended to be invisible
1: But I was also so devoted to winning that I was like, (gasps) ha ha, very clever. You're going to try and get me out by peeing.
0: I won that round. (laughs) I'm proud of you. I'm very small and compact. Yeah. So I usually go for tiny places or places up high. Yeah. You fit. That you wouldn't think to look. Because I can climb pretty fast. Mm -hmm.
1: I like up sometimes. On top of
0: counters. Yep. Okay.
1: We all promised to be careful. Mrs. Gorman even made a little joke about living to be 90. You see, none of us had known the poor girl, and we didn't want to feel sad on Christmas Eve. Well, we all started the game immediately after dinner. Young Reggie Sangston went round making sure all the lights were off except the ones in the servants' rooms and in the sitting room where we were. We then prepared 12 sheets of paper, 11 of them were blank, and one of them had Smee written on it. Reggie mixed them all up, and we each took one. The person who got the paper with Smee on it had to hide. I looked at mine and saw it was blank. A moment later, all the electric lights went out. In the darkness, I heard someone moving very quietly to the door. After a minute, somebody blew a whistle, and we all rushed to the door. I had no idea who was Smee. For five or ten minutes, we were all rushing up and down passages in and out of rooms, challenging each other and answering, Smee? Smee? After a while, the noise died down, and I guessed that someone had found Smee. After a time, I found a group of people all sitting on narrow stairs. I challenged and received no answer, so Smee was there. I hurriedly joined the group. Presently, two more players arrived. Each one was hurrying to avoid being last. Jack Sangston was last and was given a forfeit. I think we're all here now, aren't we? He remarked. He lit a match, looked up at the staircase, and began to count. Nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, he said. And then he laughed. That's silly. There's one too many. The match went out, and he lit another and began to count. He got as far as twelve, then he looked puzzled. There are 13 people here, he said. I haven't counted myself yet. Oh, nonsense, I laughed. You probably began with yourself, and now you want to count yourself twice. His son took out his electric torch. Because we're in England. Ooh, a lighter. A flashlight, maybe? I don't know. Oh, I was thinking lighter. I didn't even think they had flashlights back then, so I'm not sure what we're dealing with. It gave a better light than the matches, and we all began to count. Of course there were 12 of us, Jack laughed. Well, he said, I was sure I counted 13 twice. From halfway up the stairs, Violet Sankston spoke nervously. I thought there was somebody sitting two steps above me. Have you moved, Captain Ransom? Can my name be Captain Ransom? Because that's a dope name. Sure. Okay, we can call you Captain Ransom. Perfect. The captain said that he hadn't, but I thought there was somebody sitting between Mrs. Sanxton and me. Just for a moment, there was an uncomfortable something in the air. A cold finger seemed to touch us all. For that moment, we all felt something odd and unpleasant had just happened and was likely to happen again. Then we laughed at ourselves and at each other, and we felt normal again. There were only 12 of us, and that was that. Still laughing, we marched back to the sitting room to begin again. How many damn times do you have to play this game? Uh, well... You gotta have multiple turns. Jesus, I—that's too much for me. And also, you have people over to your home for dinner. How do you not know to not recognize one of them? Who well, there? Like right. what? This Jackson kid is full of beans. Well, I guess
0: yeah, but Jackson—he is a guest, so he probably didn't recognize like the tall, handsome woman who we pretty much suspect is a ghosty at this point. Yeah, but it was the the man of the house who was oh. counting. Yeah, I don't know. In the darkness, you're yeah. just going one, two, three, four, five, six, me. I
1: don't know. I guess. I don't know. This time, I was Smee. Violet Sankston found me while I was searching for a hiding place. That game didn't last long, because he's a
0: horrible Smee. Yes. Uh, Jackson, up your game. That's why he wants to sit out this round. Let's be honest. He, He's bad.
1: He's bad at hiding. Because he knows okay. he's bad at games. Yeah. He's a sore loser. Yeah. Soon there were twelve people, and the game was over. Violet felt cold and wanted her jacket. Her husband went up to their bedroom to fetch it. As soon as he'd gone, Reggie touched me on the arm. He was looking pale and sick. Quick, he whispered, I've got to talk to you. Something horrible's happened. We went into the breakfast room. What's the matter? I asked. I don't know. You were Smee last time, weren't you? Well, of course, I didn't know who Smee was. While Mother and the others ran to the west side of the house and went east. There's a deep clothes cupboard in my bedroom. It looked like a good hiding place. I thought perhaps Smee might be in there. I opened the door in the dark and touched somebody's hand. Smee? I whispered. There was no answer. I thought I'd found Smee. Well, I don't understand it, but I suddenly had a strange cold feeling. I can't describe it, but I felt that something was wrong, so I turned on my electric torch, and there was nobody there. Now, I am sure I touched a hand, and nobody could get out of the cupboard because I was standing in the doorway. What do you think? You imagined that you touched a hand, I said. He gave a short laugh. I knew you would say that, he said. Of course I imagined it. That's the only explanation, isn't it? I agreed with him. Together, we returned to the sitting room for another game of Smee. The others were all ready and waiting to start again. Perhaps it was my imagination, although I'm almost sure that it was not. But I had a feeling that nobody was really enjoying the game anymore.
0: It's like, it's it's drowning on. You're all adults. Why don't you go do something else? Yeah, because this sounds like a
1: horrible game.
0: I'm pretty sure, like, was Monopoly around back then? We know Ouija was. Although, probably not the best to do with the... Previous occupant deceased. Yeah. um, But, you know, there's got to be something you can do. Chess, checkers, something. Drink. Can we play Victorian beer pong?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Anything, yeah. But everyone was too polite to mention it. All the same, I had the feeling that something was wrong. All the fun had gone out of the game. Something deep inside me was trying to warn me. Take care, it whispered. Take care. There was something unnatural, unhealthy, an influence at work in the house. Why did I have this feeling? Because Jack Sangston had counted 13 people instead of 12? Because his son had imagined he'd touched someone's hand in an empty cupboard? Can I
0: stop you for one more second? Because this author is not the most creative with names. Jack Sangston. Jackson. It's the 1800s. What do you want from them? There were, like, six names available. There were not six names available. I've done enough genetic research to know there are lots of I
1: mean, in my, uh... Pocahontas, how many Johns were there?
0: Yeah, but that was not the Victorian
1: era. It's like hundred years later. Not it's more really than that. Though. I can't ca- Listen, as bad as you are at math, you're not going to give me a free pass to be as bad at math, too. Yeah,
0: I'm Not at eras. Eras are different to me. Those aren't math. Those are wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey stuff. I
1: Anywho, know. nobody wants to play this shitty game with Jack and Jack and Jack and Jackson cupboard i tried to laugh at myself but it did not succeed well we started again of course how many times are we going to play this game
0: until everybody gets to be Smee. apparently
1: including the broken girl
0: so 13 times
1: 13 which and of course it's 13 we see you am bridge.
0: we know what you did there
1: while we were all seeing the unknown sme we were as noisy as ever but it seemed to me that most of us were just acting we were no longer enjoying the game
0: what a surprise We're not either, Jackson.
1: At first, I stayed with the others, but for several minutes, no Smee was found. I left the main group and started searching on the first floor at the west side of the house. And there, while I was feeling my way along, I bumped into a pair of human knees. I don't know how that happened. Okay, we're just going to keep going. I put out my hand and touched a soft, heavy curtain. Then I knew where I was. There were tall, deep windows with window seats at the edge of the passage. Yeah, okay. The curtains reached the ground. Somebody was sitting in a corner of one of the window seats behind a curtain. Ah, I thought I've caught Smee. So I pulled the curtain to one side and touched a woman's arm. Ooh, yeah, scandalous! That's why they want
0: to play Smee because it's Victorian times and you can't like touch the girl you like. So ooh, I bonked into your knee. Stay. <laughs> hey. Okay. I also I'm
1: glad that he explained the whole sitting down thing because I was like, how do you randomly touch a knee? I... Yeah, that was a little. Confusing. (laughs) Smee? I whispered. I imagine that's how he said it, because he thinks it's Tilda. There was no answer. When Smee is challenged, he or she does not answer. So I sat down beside her to wait for the others.
0: Oh, scandal!
1: Then I whispered, What's your
0: name? Smee?
1: And out of the darkness beside me the whisper came, Brenda Ford.
0: (laughs) Not the (laughs) spookiest of names. No! We we know the author's already struggling with names, so I
1: go equally to Tupac for Brenda's got a baby and my stepmother's name is also Brenda. So yeah. Okay. Anyways. I did not know the name like you wouldn't probably. You do. But I guessed at once who she was. I knew every girl in the house by name except one. And that was the tall, pale, dark girl. It's Brenda Bitch. <laughs> Also, while we're on that, he knows every woman's name. (laughs) Sounds like a bit of a womanizer 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 baby you. you, you." Uh, Well, most of them are his family. (laughs) Not necessarily. He's just this random tag along kid. He's with their cousins though. Yeah, but just because they're like one of them is his cousin doesn't mean they're not cousins on the other side of that family. It could be totally kosher. It's the Victorian era. They can screw whoever they want.
0: Okay, that's an interpretation. Merry Christmas to all, until all a good night here on Supposedly. A oh, very good night. Oh! <laughs> oh! Uh, if it works for the Lannisters, it works for Jackson. Well, look, the Victorian era, oftentimes you would marry, like, a second cousin. Yeah, you, exactly. you, you, it's, it's mm, all fine. No, I get it, but, like, still. It's all fine. So tell us more about...
1: So here she was, sitting beside me on the window seat, shut in between a heavy curtain and a window. Oh, Jackson is planning something. Ooh, he
0: is, like, they're enclosed in a Shut curtain. in between, beneath- yeah, what? Okay. Ooh, he thinks she's
1: pretty. Uh-huh, he already touched her knees. That's like second base in the 1800s. Woo!
0: It's getting
1: hot up in those curtains. I wondered if she was enjoying it, too. Oh, sorry, hold on.
0: Well, you'll know if she yells, Smee! Smee! Oh my god. (laughs) Uh,
1: Yeah, I was beginning to enjoy the game. I wondered if she was enjoying it, too. I whispered one or two rather ordinary questions to her and received no answer. She's not enjoying it, Jackson. (laughs) Smee is a game of silence. The safe word is Smee. Oh, God. Okay. Smee is a game of silence. It is a rule of the game that Smee and the person or persons who have found Smee have to keep quiet. This, of course, makes it harder for the others to find them. But there was nobody else about. I wondered why she was insisting on silence. I spoke again. Like a man. Yeah, like, talk to me. And got no answer. I began to feel a little annoyed
0: fucker. She's playing by the rules. Right.
1: Perhaps she's one of those cold, clever girls who have a poor opinion of all men. Can
0: we get t-shirts that say that? I feel
1: so seen right
0: now. <laughs> Look, I don't have a poor opinion of all men. It's just men as a group. Yeah, not all men. Da, 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 yeah. da, da. Just, <laughs> just, Just 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 a
1: general populace. Look, in the words of 50 Cent many men. There we go. Many, many men. That's fine. Okay. She doesn't like me and is using the rules of the game as an excuse for not speaking. Well, if she doesn't like sitting here with me, I certainly don't want to sit with her. I turned away from her.
0: That's the game, you little sniveling wiener!
1: I hope someone finds us soon,
0: I thought. What an incel! Wow! Like, 17-year-old, yet the youngest. Ugh. I hate this man. I have this he's Jackson's getting to be a real downer, okay?
1: I have been in Brenda's situation
0: so many times of just like Look, she's just following the rules and yeah. trying to be SME as long as she can. It's yeah. her one opportunity. Yep. Ugh. Ugh. And Jackson has totally blown it, by the way. Like Right, and we see you, Brenda.
1: Yeah. Well like, if there was a chance in her being interested in him. He just squashed all oh, of them. yeah. That.
0: Like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And then to get all offended because she won't talk to me, even though it's the rules of the game. And I don't want to talk to you, too. I'm going to turn away from you and you my bitchy. She just thinks so much of herself.
1: As I sat there, I realized that I disliked sitting beside this girl very much indeed.
0: Dude, not as much as she dislikes sitting beside you at this point. That was strange.
1: The girl I had seen at dinner had seemed likable in a cold kind of way. You already
0: thought she was cold. What's your fucking problem? What, what is likable in a cold I, kind of way? I don't know. Keeps to herself? I guess. Isn't trying to be flirtatious or draw attention to? I don't know. I, it yeah, it's probably go a good on.
1: upstanding Puritan woman. Jackson's kind of... Mm, yeah, I hope, we're not, we're I not, hope Brenda we're not. gets him. Not vibing with him right now. Not vibing with him, no. I noticed her and wanted to know more about her, but now I felt really uncomfortable beside her. Oh, poor baby. Welcome to being a woman ever. Did she hurt your feelers by playing by the rules? The feeling of something wrong,
0: something unnatural, was growing. Okay. Well, we all suspect Brenda's a ghost by this point, right? Right. Okay, so I get that, but the whole he's excusing it as... But the fact that he doesn't—yeah, that's a—that's a little bit of a red flag. It isn't like something's off, something's wrong. It's yeah, she's it's that cold, it's cold, and unnatural. She's unnatural. She's not reciprocating to me. I, yeah, yeah.
1: I remembered touching her arm, and I trembled with horror. I wanted to jump up and run away. Okay. <laughs> I wish I had that effect on more men. <laughs> <laughs> I want to be this handsome woman. <laughs> I prayed that someone else would come along soon. Just then I heard light footsteps in the passage. Somebody on the other side of the curtain brushed against my knees. Smee? Someone brushed against my smeeze. <laughs> the curtain moved to one side, and a woman's hand touched my shoulder. Smee? Whispered a voice that I recognized at once. It was Mrs. Gorman. Of course she received no answer. She came and sat down beside me, and at once I felt very much better. It's Tony Jackson, isn't it? Oh, okay, it's his last name. That's better.
0: Okay, alright. Yeah. I was. I feel like, like halfway through, the writer's like, maybe I need to be a little more creative with these names. Uh, let's just make that his last name.
1: Yeah, because for a minute we were getting into the Jackson 5. Right.
0: <laughs> I was like, how many of you are there?
1: <laughs> yes, I whispered back. You're not Smee, are you? No, she's on my other side. She reached out across me. I heard her fingernails scratch a woman's silk dress. Jesus.
0: Whoa, this lady's a little... <laughs> mm. Okay.
1: Mrs. Gorman! I feel
0: like this is the cop-a-feel game, Smee. It's gotta be. Oh, sorry, I cupped a cup to breast. Woohoo! Mm.
1: excuse me.
0: <laughs> Pardon, Smee.
1: <laughs> uh, hello, Smee. How are you? Who are you? Oh, is it against the rules to talk? Never mind. Tony will break the rules. Do you know, Tony, this game is beginning to annoy me a little. I hope they aren't going to play it all evening. I'd like to play a nice quiet game all together beside a warm fire. Me too, I agreed. Can't you suggest something to them? There's something rather unhealthy about this particular game. I'm sure I'm being very silly, but I can't get rid of the idea that we've got an extra player. Somebody who ought not to be here at all. And nobody's
0: put together the fact that this girl died playing hide-and-seek and that... Literally. Like, you and I'd be like, yeah, probably the ghost, right? Right? Like, you in 13, she died playing hide-and-seek. Kind of seems like a logical leap for us. You
1: mean the, quote, broken girl in the basement? Yeah.
0: <laughs> huh. <laughs> like... Huh, yeah, kind of seems like she's playing. Yeah. It, we we would have scooby doo the crap out of that real soon. It's just
1: our way. Uh, Okay. That's exactly how I felt, but I didn't say so. However, I felt very much better. Mrs. Gorman's arrival had chased away my fears. We sat talking. I wonder when the others will find us, said Mrs. Gorman. After a time, we heard the sound of feet and young Reggie's voice shouting, Hello? Hello? Is anybody there? Yes, I answered. Is Mrs. Gorman with you? Yes. What happened to you? You've both got forfeits. We've all been waiting for you for hours.
0: Uh. 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 uh, Okay. (laughs) wait hours so he's been sitting by this curtain for hours Apparently. okay number one that's how you know the game has gone terrible yeah. if like i can't victorian houses even the large ones are kind of small the well, rooms are small i can't and imagine also, there's a lot of places to hide
1: and also i have not that much attention span for a game i don't really give a shit about i'll be like all right i'll relax I'm free i'm out bitch like i'm not yeah. sitting behind this curtain for two hours right that's, i'm bored I'm bored. I'm going to go sit by the fire. So he's just been making conversation Mrs. Gorman with... and scratching fingernails down dresses for two hours. Yeah. And, I would, uh, and like in two hours, yeah. I would have had to pee. I would have wanted a drink. I'd yeah. have been like,
0: ooh, is that cheese tray still out? Snack. Where's where's the tortilla chips in the cupboard? Yeah. Why didn't you hide in the cupboard? Yeah. Uh, if I'm playing hide and seek, I'm probably going to be not far away from food at all times. Oh, so. yeah. Like, spoiler alert. Yeah, okay, the fact. Spoiler alert for where to find Jesse. Yeah. Buy the snacks is always a great bet. Like, yep. if ever this podcast does anything and we go to do a talk somewhere or something, yeah. like, if you're ever wondering which one is Jesse, she's by the snacks. Yep. Always. Yep. Always. I'm not going to be anywhere else but the snacks. And I'll be the
1: handsome woman who looks like Jesse's bodyguard, standing next to her, also eating snacks. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Okay, so basically what you're telling me is someone else was Smee and this girl behind the curtain wasn't Smee. Right. Yeah, okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. Okay, all right. So they've been there for hours. Yep. Is Smee an alien?
1: Brenda? But you haven't found Smee yet, I complained. I was Smee this time. But Smee is here with us, I cried. Yes, agreed Mrs. Gorman. The curtain was pulled back, and we sat looking into the eyes of Reggie's electric torch. I looked at Mrs. Gorman, and then on my other side, between me and the wall, was an empty place on the window seat. I stood up at once, then I sat down again. Is this Zach Baggins? Is Jackson Zack? I've been picturing him as Zack for it's this entire story. got I don't know about you. He doesn't know how to talk okay. to women. He's sitting down and standing up very <laughs> aggressively. He doesn't want to play games he's bad at. <laughs> it's totally Zack Bagley. Okay. I was feeling very sick, and the world seemed to be going round and round. There was somebody there, I insisted, because I touched her. Oh, Jesus. Oh, 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 Smiza. oh, Jesus. Ah.
0: Uh. <laughs> Smee You did what to her? Her name is Brenda. <laughs> right. Yeah, sure, Zach, your invisible yeah. girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is why you don't get invited to parties and your cousins have to take you in on Christmas. <laughs> Just saying. All right. Cop it a feel with an invisible girl right. behind a curtain. Weirdo. Groping Sneagle. Go hang out with that guy that sewed Cabbage Patch Kids alone in his room. <laughs> Who's like, probably laughing at us because he's made bang, let's be honest. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So. Oh, yeah.
1: No no, no shame in that game at all. Yeah. Okay. So did I, said Mrs. Gorman in a trembling voice. I copped I- her feel, too. <laughs> I scratched her dress. <laughs> and I don't think anyone could leave this window seat without us knowing. Reggie gave a shaky little laugh. I remembered his unpleasant experience early that evening. Someone's been playing jokes, he said. Are you coming down? We were not very popular when we came down to the sitting room. Yeah, no shit. Oh, yeah, you
0: made the crappy game take, like, two hours longer.
1: I found the two of them sitting behind a curtain on a window seat, said Reggie. I went up to the tall, dark girl.
0: Is he just trying to cover for what him and Mrs. Gorba whatever have going on? Probably. (laughs) Oh, yeah, yeah, I scratched her dress. She was totally here. We weren't alone behind this curtain together for two hours. It was Brenda, (laughs) right? Yeah. Um,
1: hmm, we're on to you. So you pretended to be Smee, and then went away, I accused her. She shook her head. Afterwards, we all played cards in the sitting room, and I was glad. Sometime later, Jack Sankson wanted to talk to me. I could see that he was rather cross with me, and soon he told me the reason. Tony, he said, I suppose you were in love with Mrs. Gorman. That's your business, but please don't make love to her in my house during a game. You kept everyone waiting. It was very rude of you. I'm, I'm ashamed of you
0: jesse's right <laughs> <laughs> jesse's more than right I, look i did not expect for them to just come out and say it in the victorian right. era i thought he might just be like i expect you not to not to copulate that young thing you know
1: whatever yeah but no he just like drug him out by the neck and was like don't fuck bitches up in my joint bro mm. but we were not alone i protested
0: right we weren't alone i would have I like how it's, we're not alone. It's We had a threesome with Brenda. That already screams of, like, questionability there. The fact that he wasn't like, what are you talking about? No. Yeah. He just jumps to, we weren't alone. Thought about it. Yeah. There was somebody else there. Somebody who was pretending
1: to be Smee. I believe it was the tall, dark girl, Miss Ford. She whispered her name to me. Of course, she refused to admit it afterwards. Jack Sangston stared at me. Miss who? He breathed. Brenda Ford, she said. Jack put a hand on my shoulder. Look here, Tony, he said. I don't mind a joke, but enough is enough. We don't want to worry the ladies. Brenda Ford is the name of the girl who broke her neck on the stairs. She was playing hide and seek here
0: ten years ago. Well, he just got tired of the story and just threw it in there and didn't wrap it up. Nope! (laughs) And so that is uh, one of the
1: Victorian Christmas spooky stories that you could tell. And now that you've listened to it once, you never have to listen to it again and you can tell better stories on Christmas.
0: Or you can go play a game of Smee and let us know if you stumble across any ghosties. But yeah, so there you go. That's Smee. So what did you bring for Smee tonight? Well, for Smoo, I brought something a little different. I was going to do a cult, but I got like balls deep into some research. Okay. And I want to do it right. So next week you're going to hear all about my, my cult research. Is um, it three
1: Furbies looking at each other? In a triangle.
0: Dang it, Ru, really you spoil everything. Sorry, I'm sorry. No, but this week, um, let's continue on your Christmas ghost stories. Okay. With a little bit of a haunted hotel. Oh, I love a good haunted hotel. Well, then you're going to love this one because it is the world famous Stanley Hotel. Ooh, also known as the Overlook. Well, sort of. <laughs> <laughs> in theory. It was the the inspiration for Stephen King's Overlook Hotel Um, and we'll get into that a little bit but first we gotta go back and you know I love to start my stories with a good old really windy noise hit me up all right so it is impossible to talk about the Stanley Hotel without talking about F.O. Stanley himself the man the myth the legend before I kind of touch on him um, let me give you a little overview here. The Stanley Hotel is has about 142 rooms. It's a colonial revival hotel, and it's based in Estes Park, Colorado, United States. It's about five miles from the entrance to the Rocky Mountain National Park. And now, let me tell you about Freeland Oscar Stanley. What a name! Right? It's that sounds like a name that's got some oomph, yeah, like some importance to it, right? Yeah. Definitely. So Freeland Oscar Stanley, or F.O. Stanley, um, became famous for his Stanley Steamer vehicle. But this man was more than just an inventor and entrepreneur. Um, he, he actually had his hand in a lot of different things, including children's toys, the famous Stanley Steamer, uh, the Stanley Hotel, and more. So Stanley F.O oh, Stanley's a, a wealthy guy, mm-hmm. right? Made made rich by mostly the Stanley steamer. Yeah. And in 1903, he was stricken with a life-threatening resurgence of tuberculosis. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of doctors at the time, what did they recommend for tuberculosis?
1: Do you... Going outside and just hoping for the best.
0: Pretty much. They... <laughs> and taking baths. <laughs> this seems a little ridiculous to us now. But the most highly recommended treatment at that point in time was fresh, dry air with much sunlight and a good old-fashioned hearty diet. Which is literally
1: their way of saying, yeah, we don't know.
0: Pretty much. Just get some good air. You need good air for your lungs that are terribly, terribly infected with tuberculosis. Bleeding, yeah. Yeah. Um, and patients of tuberculosis at the time were called lungers. I don't know if you knew that. That was new okay. information to me.
1: Hadn't heard that either. During don't, this research. Don't know that I love it. It feels a little um, cringy.
0: Yeah, right? Yeah. Lunger. Oh, I'm a lunger and I gotta go get some fresh air. <coughs> <laughs> so... F.O. Stanley decides that he's going to take his his nice, fresh doctor-recommended air in at the Rocky Mountains, yeah. which is a very popular place for longers to go. So he gets his wife in tow, whose name is Flora, and they arrive in Denver, Colorado around March. And in June, on the recommendation of his doctor, who is Dr. Sherman Grant Bonnie, they decide to move to Estes Park, Colorado for the rest of the summer. They're just going to summer there and hope he doesn't die, right?
1: How nice to have money.
0: Right, money is a wonderful thing. Let me just summer in Colorado.
1: Okay, lovely.
0: Now, they didn't know that he would live. They kind of expected that, you know, the tuberculosis might run its course, and they had even made plans to transport his body uh, if that were the case. But over the season, his health greatly improves. And he's so impressed by the beauty of the valley and the curative doctor's air that he vows to return every He just loves this place now okay
1: I guess if it saves your life you you do kind of have a fondness for it
0: right but he's bougie of course. he's a bougie boy and um and well he just wasn't very impressed with with the uh, what is the word I'm trying to think accommodation <laughs> Accommodations, thank you. Yeah, of course. I was struggling with that so hard. Loves the area, super bougie, Mm -hmm. doesn't like the accommodations. Everything's pretty rustic, old, there's not really electricity. Um, There's a really relaxed social scene, which he enjoyed, but also Mm -hmm. was kind of unfulfilling on a level. And I think we can all relate to that right now. (laughs) So this is where he makes another vow to himself. He vows to turn Estes Park into a resort town. All right. And in 1907, by God, he started. (laughs) So construction starts on the Hotel Stanley. At the time, it was going to be a 48-room hotel that was very grand and catered to the moderately wealthy class. Um, including urbanites who were composed of the Stanley social circle back east as well as consumptives or lungers who really wanted that healthful air all right so that's kind of nice that he's like at least i'm going to pass along yeah. the air but you got you got to be rich i guess so he purchases this land in 1908 through the representatives of the fourth earl of dumraven and mount earl of the anglo-irish peer So they had originally acquired it by stretching provisions of the Homestead Act in 1862. And so they get this land, and it's kind of sketchy. Lord Dunraven had about 15,000 acres of Estes Park Valley. And he was kind of unsuccessful at trying to create a private hunting preserve, which was his big goal and his vow. Gotcha. Yeah, and in fact, he just kind of hoarded these lands, and the people that lived there weren't very happy with him because of this. Mm. He was very unpopular with local ranchers and farmers, and he kind of leaves the area slash maybe is a little bit run out of town. It's a little sketchy about that. Okay. In 1884, and he he relegates this uh, ranch that he's got to management of an overseer. But because he leaves such a poor taste in these Colorado residents' mouths, they, they're really not onto him, right? They don't, they don't like this guy. Uh, and the only reason I bring that up is because F.O. Stanley originally wanted to call his hotel the Dunraven, Raven, named after this man.
1: Well, that's a way cooler name than Stanley, to be fair.
0: Right, he didn't want to name it after himself. Yeah. He wanted to call it the Dunraven, Raven, which sounds frickin' awesome, by the way. And sounds even more
1: haunted if we're being realistic.
0: Right? Doesn't that sound creepier and like, oh, I'm going to the Dunraven.
1: It's very Edgar Allan Poe feeling. Right. Yeah.
0: But Colorado got up in arms and about 180 people signed a petition requesting that he names it for himself instead. Oh. That's how much Dunraven had pissed these people off.
1: Wow. I thought he just changed his mind because it was like bad press. No, No, like there was literally a petition. There was a petition,
0: and they're like, no, we want it named after you. Wow. And he's like, well, well, okay. If you insist. If you insist. So the main hotel and concert hall were completed in 1909, and the manor was completed in 1910. Now, he built a concert hall because his wife Flora was an avid pianist. Um, And he wanted a place where where she could perform for her inner social circle, as well as little banquets could be held um, of private guests. He really wanted to make that space her own. And it is, in fact, one of the most haunted areas in the hotel, which we'll talk about in in a little bit. Um, But I just think that that's kind of sweet that he was thinking of her enough to buy, you know, build her a little little concert hall for, for her to perform. It's sweet. Um, it's very nice. And to bring guests from the nearest train depot in the foothills, which was located in the town of Lyons, Colorado at the time, his car company produced a fleet of very specially designed, steam-powered vehicles that he named Mountain Wagons. Okay. They seated multiple passengers, and basically these mountain wagons would meet you at the train depot, and you'd be ushered into a Stanley Steamer mountain wagon and trekked up the mountain to his... Gorgeous resort that is not named the Dunraven.
1: Listen, this
0: guy is just—he's an
1: empire. I mean, he takes you in his car to his hotel, which after you leave, he cleans up with his Stanley steamers.
0: Like Um, what? No, no, that's a different Stanley steamer. But I don't know that it isn't related in some regard. Oh, okay, I thought it—that's one thing I didn't look into very much. Okay, probably should have. So his Stanley steamers were cars. Oh, I thought it was. Vehicles.
1: I thought it was the same. I thought they drove up in their steam car and steamed your carpets.
0: You know, I don't know if that's technically now one of those things where it's owned by the F.O. Yeah. Stanley company that they just gave a nod to the origins. Or if someone was just like, ha ha, it's steam powered. Let's name it after this old steam. All right. I don't know. All right. Maybe I'll look that up at the end and we can have some resolution. We'll
1: there. take some liberties with it. But either way, this
0: guy's got a whole whole market. Oh yeah, he's, he's like killing it. Yeah. So, so you get trekked up in these mountain wagons that were quite a visual treat as well. Yeah. And let's go to 1926. He decides that he's going to sell his hotel to a private company, incorporated for the sole purpose of running it. The venture failed, so around 1929, Stanley purchases his property out of foreclosure and sells it again, and in 1930, he sells it to Roe Emery of Denver, and in 1983, the resort was only open during the summer, shutting down for winter every year. So the presence of the hotel and Stanley's own involvement greatly contributed to this growth in this area, Mm -hmm. and Estes Park starts growing, and, and more people are trekking out there, and it even leads to the creation of the Rocky National Park, which is five miles away from this. But I bet you're wondering, okay, this is this is all very good and cool, but where's some of the ghosty ghosts, right? Let's, let's kill some people.
1: <laughs> I probably shouldn't have audio of me saying that.
0: <laughs> well, there was a tragic trad Tragedy that happened, sorry. Okay. I tried to say tragic travesty and tragedy at the same time. I think I we had this a
1: couple weeks ago, too, with your uh, your brain thing that happened. Yeah, I know. Um, you really like combining those words, and I'm here for it. I think that's maybe just the new word that you make. It's like gruel from uh, Mean Girls. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
0: Maybe that's yeah. just my word. Yeah. I don't know. My brain certainly likes to smash those things together. I like it. A tragedy. So... Basically, the first thing that happens is a gas explosion. Now, the Stanley Hotel was one of the only buildings in the area to be powered entirely by electricity. However, there was a lack of available power that induced the installation of an auxiliary gas lighting system in June of 1911. So on June 25th, which is the day after the pipes have been filled with gas, an explosion occurs right? Ooh. So the story behind this is a maid goes into a room and she goes to light one of these gas-powered lights, um, and the gas has been leaking, and an explosion just happens, right? The maid is terribly yeah. injured, and the structure is entirely damaged.
1: She lived?
0: She lived! and Wow. This is a kind of... I gotta give it to F.O. Stanley at the time. You know, this was a time when you weren't really expected to take care of people that were injured right. in, at your factories and stuff. Yeah. But he he actually took great care of this woman. Um, I believe he went as far to offer her, like, a, a financial settlement. And then he took care yeah. of her hospital bills. And he said she had a job there as long as she wanted. Okay. I mean, maybe it's not the same as retiring her and putting her up. But back in the day, that was... Yeah. That was a uh,
1: pretty good Man, I don't even know if you wanna live through something like that. That being being the catalyst to that kind of explosion sounds so intense.
0: Right. And it really damaged the structure. I yeah. Very surprised this woman lived. Um she was the way it was described is she's blown back and kind of protected in a sense. Oof. Yeah. So when the Stanley Hotel was built, it was built at a cost of five hundred thousand dollars. Um, and this is, I'm going to read a little bit of a, a newspaper article here uh-huh. about the initial explosion. It was partly wrecked last night by an explosion of gas. Eight persons were injured, one seriously. None of the guests were injured. Elizabeth Wilson of Lancaster, Pennsylvania, a hotel employee, was hurled from the second to the first floor, and both <gasps> ankles were broken. The other seven are Negro oh. waiters. Oof, okay. Like, once again quoting directly from this, yep. so please, yep. please don't. Thanks, 1920s. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and by the way, the other seven people. Like, way to just kind of throw that in there. Yeah. Ugh.
1: Don't love that. Man, both... The 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 second to the first floor is intense.
0: Yeah! And big enough to break both angles. Yeah, like,
1: Jesus.
0: So, the maid's name varies in different accounts. Okay. Um, Some call her Elizabeth Lambert. Elizabeth seems to be the name that's most common in this, though. So um, the most comprehensive and detailed article on the incident appears in June 29th in the Fort Collins Express and seems to be the most accurate, positively refuting that the maid had been hurled from the second to first floor.
1: Hurled. God. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) So that's one accident that happened and that cost about ten thousand dollars of damage at the time. Uh which back in the day, I mean, that's that's it was
1: ten thousand dollars then then money. Yeah, then money. Oh shit, that's like a bajillion now.
0: Yeah, um it is noted here that a couple waiters also sustained slight injuries. One d- suffered a dislocated hip and the other was struck across the face by a flying plank. E Oh no Right? Like a flying piece of wood just bitch slapped him. Poor guy. Right. That sounds terrible. Not a fan. No. So the dining room is badly wrecked, and the west end of the building is badly strained out of line from the force of explosion, and at least ten large plate glass windows on the ground floor were shattered, as well as several doors that were blown from their hinges. So that's like a big wow. See, after hearing that, I'm even
1: more surprised that this woman lived and only had her ankles broken. Right? Like, that's... Human beings are more delicate in many ways than a plate glass window. Right, and she only broke
0: two ankles. I mean, she's probably, like, had other bruises, Contusions and and yeah. All that, but wow. Like, I don't know how you're not just, like,
1: obliterated.
0: Right, that's... that is the question. So... The Stanley Hotel has multiple buildings, like I have spoke of earlier. Um, there's the main building, the concert hall, and the lodge. Um, let's talk a little bit about our boy Stephen King's ties to it. Yeah, let's do okay. it. Okay. So in 1974, he had a brief residency in Boulder, Colorado. Stephen King and his wife, Tabitha, decide that they're going to spend a night at the Stanley Hotel. The visit is known entirely through interviews given by Stephen King at the time. Yeah. In which he presents kind of different narratives on the experience. So at the time of his visit, he was writing a book um, with the working title Dark Shine. And it was set in an amusement park. But he really wasn't satisfied with the setting. So on the advertisement of locals who suggested a resort hotel located in Estes Park, which was about an hour's drive to the north from them at the time, they decide, okay, let's go, let's check it out and we'll see, you know, maybe this could be a good setting, maybe we can get some inspiration. Yeah. So he checks in just as other guests are checking out uh, because the hotel was getting ready to shut down for the winter seasons. Now, at the time in the nineteen seventies, the Stanley was—it wasn't falling into disrepair, but the money had kind of gone, and it wasn't yeah. the booming establishment that it is today. So right. when everybody leaves for the winter, it's it's pretty vacant. It's a large property, yeah. um, and it's it's creepy.
1: Well, and just, I mean, being in the mountains, surrounded by snow, where the snow deadens all the sound, like, it it feels very isolating. I've been to Colorado in the winter, and it it feels... Yeah,
0: there's something
1: to it,
0: right? In the air, even. Yeah. So, after him and his wife check in, his wife goes to bed, Mm -hmm. and Stephen King roams the halls and goes down to the hotel bar. He has a couple drinks who is served by a bartender named Grady. I gotta say, I've been to the Stanley Hotel, and they've got some amazing bartenders that are just great people down there. Right on. Highly recommend if you ever go talking to them. Yeah. I'll tell you a little bit more about my experience as we go on here. Okay. Um, But the bartenders are definitely some peak, some peak Stanley Hotel
1: activities. Were they actually there, or were they figments of your imagination, do you think, if they were that great?
0: Oh, they were definitely there. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I... I got I got kind of buzzed. They were there. <laughs> so he decides after a couple drinks from the bartender, Grady, that he's going to return to his room. Mm-hmm. And he was staying in what is now the famous room 217, the most popular room at the Stanley Hotel. Yeah. So his imagination is fired up, having been in this abandoned hotel and going to have some drinks at the bar with this bartender. Mm-hmm. And It's kind of in a remote location and no one's around. It's so big and it's just eerie, right? Yeah. So when he goes into the bathroom and pulls back this pink shower curtain for the tub, which had claw feet, it was a claw foot tub, really nice. Lovely. I will say they do have some nice uh, bathing facilities. He thought, oh my God, what if somebody died here? And at that moment, it's quoted that he said, I knew I had a book." Yeah. So he's interviewed many times on this, um, and he talks about how this really fueled what was later to become The Shining. Mm -hmm. Um, Speaking of The Shining... And not only did it kind of serve as the Overlook Hotel's inspiration, in the uh, 1997 TV miniseries version of The Shining, mm-hmm. uh, the Stanley Hotel also made an appearance. Now, a lot of people, when you think about the Overlook Hotel, what's a main feature that comes to mind? Well. That gigantic maze, right? The labyrinth? The, and the, the topiaries, if you're going off the book. Right. Yep. Exactly. Uh, that is not part of the Stanley Hotel. However, the Stanley got so many requests from visitors wanting to see the hedge maze Mm. and the topiaries that they decided to grow one.
1: I mean, that's like free marketing Stephen King really hooked you up there,
0: guys. uh, Right, he kind of is credited in some places as even saving the Stanley Hotel at the time. Absolutely. Uh, When I was there, they were still working on this hedge maze. Mm. It was not very tall. It maybe came to my... A little bit above my knees.
1: Well, we all start somewhere. I think our podcast yeah. only comes a little up past our knees. I don't know. I
0: think we're an ankle to shin.
1: Uh, two broken ankles.
0: <laughs> two broken ankles
1: is where it. Yep.
0: <laughs> so yeah, it, they decide to grow their own hedge maze because they get so many requests. Yeah. Now let me. It's a little bit on the Stanley Hotel at this moment because, like I said, I visited there. Yeah. For a hotel that has this massive history and is known to be one of the most haunted hotels in the world, Mm -hmm. they really try to steer away from the hauntings there. And I did not like that. To the extent that a lot of their waiters aren't really allowed to discuss it, Mm -hmm. they do have haunted tours. Um, That they do. And they do ring spirited rooms, which is their term for rooms that have a higher haunting... Per capita. Per capita. They even have an on-site psychic. However, they really try to push their reputation elsewhere. Now they're trying to seek to be a wedding venue... Honestly, I just think that's a little lame. Why not lean into it? If you're going to go as far as, like, to erect a hedge maze for your ties to The Shining, go all in. Well, and
1: I think it's one of those, because, I mean, even as we know from doing this show, people often don't have much of a middle ground for this kind of stuff. It's either you love spooky stuff or it really turns you off. And I feel like for some smaller, lesser known, like the Crescent or the Elms, other, you know, haunted hotels we've talked about in the past, I think you kind of get the leeway to do we want to lean in or do we want to lean out? But when Mm -hmm. Stephen King writes a book about y'all... There is no leeway anymore. It's time to just be like, all right, yeah, we're the Stephen King spooky hotel. Let's go. Trademark. Let's do it. Yeah. Yep. So that that doesn't make a whole heck of a lot of sense to me. And especially like you said, if you're going to build the hedge maze... Let's call a duck a duck.
0: Right. Like, let's just do it. Yeah. Right? Lean all the way Mm -hmm. in. Don't tiptoe around the fact of oh, yes, yes, we've been known for a couple occurrences Mm -hmm. and things like that. Don't downplay. Yeah. Don't downplay. Yeah. Like, we know. We know what you are. Mm -hmm. Do you know what you are? Right. Okay. So, even though it had kind of a peaceful early history with not a lot happening other than the kaboom, um... Years following the publication of The Shining, the Stanley Hotel gains a reputation as being, like, a massive setting for paranormal activity. Mm -hmm. Of course, it's hosted lots of investigators and appeared in shows such as Ghost Adventures and Ghost Hunters. And it also, like I said, they have guided tours, Mm -hmm. which they feature spaces that are supposed to be very active. I gotta say, I hated the tour. Yeah. Yeah. Because it was so crowded with people and just like, not guests at the hotel, but people that just wanted to go strictly on the haunted tour, that it was hard to have a good experience. And the group we were with, a couple brought some of the really young children who were like, I don't want to see a ghost. Mm. I'm scared. And the whole time they're like crying. And I'm like, well, don't like, get your, don't take your kids to this. Right. Yeah. If if they're scared, like, why would you even do it that? It ruins it for
1: everybody. And here's the thing. And if you're a parent, yeah. here's the thing. It ruins any chance that your kid will share that interest with you. Like, I worked in haunted houses for years as, as an actor. And the amount of parents who were super into this wearing their Jack Skellington hoodies and, like, you could just get the vibe that they loved this shit. And they brought their, like, four-year-old kids... And they were like, I, I'm a spooky person. My kid's going to be a spooky person. When your kid is screaming and crying and traumatized, they forever will not like this thing. No. And so if you want to yeah. share liking the, the Stanley Hotel with your kid, don't traumatize them with it when they're three years old.
0: Right. And to be a little greedy here, I did this for my ex's 40th birthday. Yeah. Um. So... It was the place he always wanted to go. Um, So I spent a ton of money to rent a spirited room. I think it was like a $500 book. Oh, my word. Yeah. And then the tour on top of that was money and like plus the drive to get down there. And like it was an expensive trip for us to make. And then some kid screaming that he doesn't want to see ghosts. Get the hell out of line because I want to see ghosts. I paid for ghosts. Well, and, and like back to the
1: point of, of lean in or lean out, you can't charge $500 for a supposedly haunted room and then be like, uh, sometimes there's ghosts, maybe. Like, right. yeah, if it's $500, there's a
0: ghost. Yeah, there should be a ghost,
1: right? And breakfast.
0: Yeah, don't even get me started. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, kid ruined my haunted tour. Uh, All right. So, some of the famous guests at the Stanley include um, Governor Alf Landon from Kansas. Okay. Stephen King himself, yep. the great Bob Dylan, oh, okay, and Joan Baez, who... Baez. Be, Baez, thank yep. you. Um, Emperor Emperor Hiro of Japan. Okay. Okay. And the Empress and Crown Prince. They had a state visit to the U.S. and stayed there. Okay. And just to dumb it down a little bit, the Dumb and Dumber cast and crew, including Jim Carrey and Jeff Daniels, now, I believe Jim Carrey had a ghost experience here. I couldn't find, but I believe there was an episode of Celebrity Guest Story, Ghost Stories, okay, where he talked about having an encounter at the Stanley Hotel. Huh. All right. Yeah. Or there's a story. around. If
1: you were a ghost, wouldn't you love to mess with Jim Carrey? Like, wouldn't oh, that be your ideal be haunt? Best? Yeah. Are you kidding me? Yeah. That would be fantastic. He... I... Jim Carrey would be my ghost target market. Yes,
0: I yeah. agree. The yeah. facial expressions alone. Oh, man. yeah.
1: The sounds he would make, the weird one eyebrow at a time situation. Yeah. He's,
0: oh, he's the perfect fantastic. Colleague. Yeah. So these tours are about 90 minutes, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, Stanley Hotel has even been called Disneyland for ghosts. Okay. Fun fact. Um, let's talk about some of these haunted areas. Yeah. Starting with the famous Room 217. Mm-hmm. Which is the most famous, famous room in the stanley hotel like i told you this is where horror writer stephen king spent the night and got his inspiration for the shining so you can spend a ton of money and soak up that same rocky mountain views that he got when he stayed there and the room has a library of stephen king novels once again if you're gonna lean in lean in all the way
1: yeah come on don't just look at the stephen king room and then be like
0: no ghosts here yeah No ghosts. Um, This room is thought to be haunted by Elizabeth Wilson, uh, the maid who broke both of her ankles during the fire. Uh. Apparently, she seems to be a regular in the room. Guests have reported that items are moved, their luggage comes back unpacked, and lights are often turned on and off. Okay. And she's very old-fashioned. In fact, she doesn't like it when unmarried guests shack up together. Oh, Elizabeth,
1: get over yourself, love.
0: So, some couples have reported feeling a cold force come between them in bed if they're unmarried and staying (laughs) in the same room. Oh, my God. That's brilliant. (laughs) Okay. Next is the vortex. Sure. Why not? All right. Yeah. So, from an architectural standpoint, the staircase between floors in the hotel's main guest house, it's gorgeous, Mm Rue. It it really is beautiful. But this area has also been dubbed the Vortex. It's a natural spiral of energy. um, And they even go as far as to call it the rapid transit system for ghosts that are known to haunt the hotel. You know, there's a very famous picture that was taken there of a woman in Victoria, era dress, and a little Mm -hmm. boy standing on the staircase. Mm, I think I've seen that one. Yeah, I'm sure you have. Um, it's said to be known where a lot of ghosts will materialize. There's a haunted mirror. They say that you can see F.O. Stanley's face and sometimes his wife Flora's face in, um, as well as a few other spirits. Um, one thing I'll say about this staircase, it's amazing after people leave the hotel, but there are so many tourists that aren't staying at the hotel that are allowed to just wander. That yeah. it really kills the vibe in the daytime. It's hard to, like, sit on the stairs and really enjoy looking around. And... Yeah, I get that. Yeah, but it is a cool staircase. And after everybody leaves, it's it's pretty cool. Let's talk about the concert hall that F.O. Stanley built for his wife, Flora. This is where your ghost tour begins. Fun okay. fact. Um, a lot of people say there's a ton of paranormal hubbub that happens in this room. Mm-hmm. Uh, Paul, who is one of the well-known ghosts haunting the Stanley... He was kind of a jack-of-all-trades around the hotel and a fix-it-up guy. Yeah. But one of his duties included enforcing a strict 11 p.m. curfew. This hotel sounds not very
1: fun, guys. (laughs) Like, unmarried people can't do what they would like to do in their own room. Now we can't stay up after a lot. Like, come on. Am I a Girl Scout camp or a hotel?
0: Hey, this isn't Jack What's-His-Name's house where you can just grope Mrs. What's-Her-Name behind the curtain. Okay. (laughs) class. This is classy place,
1: I, I guess.
0: So, one of his duties would would be enforcing this curfew, right? Mm-hmm. So, guests often hear get out being uttered late at night. <laughs> uh, oh,
1: okay, that's not very classy. Right.
0: But, I mean, he's been doing this for, what, an eternity I guess. at this point? Like, Dude,
1: and if I had to work after I was dead, I'd right, be pretty I'd be short-tempered, too.
0: I'd be sick of it. Screw it. Yeah. Yeah, get out. Like, get, yeah.
1: out. Yeah, get out. Get yeah. out. I
0: don't blame this guy. Like, Yeah, that's fair. you stuck at work after you
1: die? Ugh. Well, and, you know, actually, I, I kind of, I, I recant my statement about Elizabeth a little bit, too. It's like, okay. if you're watching these unmarried people get down to business, and you're like, dude, I'm a freaking ghost trapped here. Like, I bet she wants to get down to business, too. I, maybe she does. I, I think she's maybe just envious. She's like, hey, now. Or maybe her cold presence is like, nah, either it's the three of us or none of us.
0: <laughs> or, <laughs> or maybe she's just upset. I don't know if she ever got married after her accident. Um, maybe she just never got the opportunity, or she, maybe, maybe she's protecting either the guy or the girl from Future Heartbreak. I don't know, but it's her room. She's been there longer. Those be the rules. Those be the rules. Um, so, this concert hall is said to be one of the most notorious spots that you can see Flora Stanley's ghost. Mm. In fact, she likes to appear and play the piano. Ooh, how nice. Mm -hmm. So, a couple more of Paul... Uh, Paul's antics, Mr. Get Out.
1: Mr. Get Out.
0: Okay, so, this construction worker is sanding the floors. Gotcha. Right? And Paul nudged him and wanted him out of there. And on the tours, the ghost tours, people have reported that he flickers flashlights for them in the dark.
1: Oh, okay. Okay.
0: Another ghost that's said to wander around the concert hall is Lucy. And this is a really, really sad story. So Lucy was a runaway or a homeless woman. They're not really sure if she was a teen or a woman, but she found refuge in the hall in the winter months. So oftentimes her ghost has been known to kind of react to requests of ghost hunters and she communicates them with flashing lights Stanley historians, however, aren't really quite sure about her pre-death connection to the hotel, but the story goes that it was a cold winter, she was homeless or a runaway, and she kind of wanders into the basement of the concert hall where she secretly tries to live there to take shelter from the cold, and eventually freezes to death.
1: Oh, that's really sad. My question is, how do you accidentally wander to the hotel? It's not in town.
0: Well, I don't know that she accidentally, but she was looking for a place that was okay. warmer to sleep, but she froze to death, right. is the story. And yeah. there are lots of renditions of the story. There aren't any newspaper articles or anything backing this up, but at the okay. time, you you got to remember, this is a different time, and yeah. bad press for a hotel was not good. So, Well,
1: and she's, quote, just a runaway girl. Or I mean, homeless. she, yeah, they, she doesn't matter in, in terms of being someone esteemed enough to be worthy of bad press to them.
0: Or reportable. Right. So it's very possible that it might not have even ended up in newspapers because police kind of quietly came and took care of the situation. Yeah. And that was that. I mean, the the hotel brought in a lot of money. Right. And brought in these well-to-do visitors that really spent money in the area and built this place up. So it's very possible that there's reasons we don't have historical records for that. Right. I'm not saying it happened. I'm not saying it didn't happen. I am saying there's a legend that has been passed down for years and years at the Stanley. So you're saying
1: supposedly it happened.
0: Supposedly it happened. And there is the lore there to kind of back it up. Yeah. The next room is room 401. So more than a century ago, the entire fourth floor was just this big attic, right? Mm -hmm. Big and open. And a lot of female employees, children and nannies were housed up there at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, Kind of is almost like an all-woman's floor Just to protect a lady's decency if Right, know. of course And also yes. to keep the children away from their parents Who are spending buka bucks on these nannies
1: Yeah, who don't want to go on the ghost tour Well,
0: there were, the, were we're talking back in a taste. No, I know, so. but I'm just saying, where are the yeah. nannies now? Because <laughs>
1: right. you don't want to go on the ghost tour You go spend time with a nanny
0: Actually, fun fact, I do believe they have a couple nannies still on staff that will watch your children while you do different things there. Well, where the hell were these nannies then? Dude, don't even (laughs) get me started. I'm still (laughs) freaking pissed about that. Uh, I dropped, like, a couple grand on this trip, and yeah. Okay, so today's guest will report hearing children running around laughing, giggling, and playing. Plus, there's a famous closet that tends to open and shut on its own in this room. Spooky. Mm. But basically, if you're on the fourth floor, I remember when I was booking my room there. And we'll talk yeah. about the room I stayed in here in a little bit. I booked a spirited room, and they asked me which room I wanted. And of course, I wanted the one with Elizabeth in it. Because, yeah. one, seems like she's looking out for you. Two, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, she just unpacks your clothes and is handy. That's kind of nice, yeah. right? I, think um, I want more. Three, some of the other rooms are sound a little creepier. But I remember saying, well, what's the most haunted room? And they're yeah. like, basically, if you stay anywhere on the fourth floor, that's a pretty good place. Okay. Um, so the next room we're talking about is room 428, continuing the creepiness. So, okay. So this is a room that's said to be one of the most haunted rooms. Um, mm-hmm. But here's why. Guests have reported hearing footsteps above them and furniture getting moved about. But that's kind of impossible given the fact that the roof is roof is sloped in that area. But the real ghosty in this room is a friendly cowboy who likes to appear at the corner of the bed and tilt his hat. And-
1: a friendly cowboy.
0: <laughs> right. Brilliant. So, originally, this was my second choice of room to stay in. First, I yeah. wanted Elizabeth because, okay, cool. Right. Second, I'm like, all right, the cowboy sounds not that bad.
1: Terrible, yeah.
0: Right. He sounds not not too bad. Okay. Not like he's going to smother me with a pillow while I sleep. Right. Um. So, then there's the underground caves. So, if you go on the ghost tour and mm-hmm. have your experience ruined by a little brat who doesn't want hey, to see ghosts, uh, you will, in fact, go to these underground caves. Nice. In fact, it comes to a halt at the end with a visit to this cave system. Workers moved about the hotel through the caves in the early days um, as an attempt not to be seen. Yeah. It's one of those. staff doesn't really get seen unless they have to be. Right. So it makes sense that this is a really popular place for being haunted. Yeah. Skeptics often pass off these haunts as breezes from historic piping and ventilation systems. But people have been known to be pushed or touched and so forth in these underground caverns. I can't find a listing for the room I stayed in right here on any, either of these articles. But it was on the fourth floor. Okay. And supposedly the room I got, and this is creepy. Okay. Alright. Um, it was a room where this man in a bowler cap is said to just materialize in the corner and be staring at you menacingly. I would prefer that not be a thing right. that happens to me. Right. Like, I was like, okay, I'm fine with the maid. Cowboy, yep. if Cowboy's I have to. Fine. yeah. But that's, you know, at least he tilts his hat. Well, and um, bowler hats are just kind of creepy in general. Right, and also I believe that's the room where they're like, oh, yeah, women get grabbed more in this room. And I'm like, ah, oh, thanks. Mm-hmm. Okay, as a woman, I face
1: enough chance of getting grabbed by a man in this plane of existence. I don't really want to double my chances with a ghost,
0: dude. Right? I don't need I'm a ghost popping a field on top. Yeah. Of that. No, I'm 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 all right, thank you. So the ice house is also said to be haunted. Of course, before indoor refrigeration, the Stanley Hotel had an outbuilding that housed large blocks of ice and perishables. Well, since then it's been remodeled into a museum containing some of the originally Stanley steamer cars. Okay. Um, it's said to have about two spirits that have been seen inside. Billy, a shy child that shows up in a as a blurry figure in photographs, and then I believe a man is said to haunt that one. Okay. Let's talk about the pet cemetery. Ooh. Long before Stephen King's novel Pet Cemetery, yeah. there was an actual pet cemetery outside the Stanley Hotel. Although, I will say, like, as far as pet cemeteries go, it's pretty freaking small, because there's two beloved pets that are interred there. Yeah. They, too, like to make their appearances around the hotel. Aww. Cassie is a good girl, and she's a golden retriever. Okay. And Comanche is a fluffy white cat. Aww. Both have been seen and heard around the property quite a lot. That's precious. Some people report hearing a dog barking at night. Um, some guests report having things like fall off their their nightstands or whatever. Okay. <laughs> Thinking like a cat would like
1: push yep, it just push stuff. Being um, be-
0: both have been been spotted. Okay. So that's a little rundown of the historic Stanley Hotel. Of course, in addition to all these ghosts, you are very likely to see F.O. Stanley and his wife Flora appear at different points in the hotel. Many like to say that he's checking up on the hotel. He's been yeah. known to materialize and tell staff who weren't working to get back to work. Flora's known for playing the hotel piano in the main lobby, as well as the concert piano in the concert hall. Very nice. Uh, and she's been known to see be seen straightening things around the hotel as well. Uh-huh. Um, one thing to note is that the hotel has all a lot of original furnishings and accommodations. Uh, it does not have heating. Oh, okay. Yeah. The most the place I got really creeped out was the bathroom and the room I was staying in. I just yeah. never felt alone there. I didn't take a shower in there. Wow. I wasn't I wasn't like feeling it. Okay. Um so should we take a little peek at how much a spirited room goes Let's for? Do it. Okay. I'm on their website and I'm gonna go to the book now section because they don't just like tell you about it. Yeah. And also, I don't believe they have a list on their website that tells you... Which rooms. Like, which rooms. You, Dude, you just pay for a room, out. and then you can request which room you want, and we'll try to make that happen. But more than likely, you're going to just end up with, you know... Whatever, yeah. Whatever. So, let's pretend that we're supposedly taking a vacation. Let's
1: go on a vacation, yeah. Let's
0: go on an imaginary pretend. vacation together. Covid's
1: not It's real not COVID. And
0: yeah. And we're all going to take a little mind vacation and see how much things go for.
1: God, I wish. Okay.
0: So, $479 for a spirited king room.
1: Okay. Yeah.
0: yeah. But once again, you just kind of request what room you want, and maybe you can get it, maybe not.
1: A little out of my price range, but, you know,
0: good yeah. for them. Um, For a classic king room that isn't haunted, you're looking at about $419, so really it's not that much of an upcharge to have a little ghosty ghost. $60 for a ghost. Okay. Yep. So, that, my friends, is the Stanley Hotel. If you want to get haunted or also disappointed, feel free to go there. Um, I I really feel, and this is just my personal opinion of having stayed there and spent a lot of money, I feel like it would be best if you didn't stay at the hotel, if instead Mm -hmm. you went and did the tourist thing. Because I don't think I got anything out of actually staying at the hotel that I wouldn't have gotten from just being a tourist, staying somewhere else visiting. Yeah. Um like i said the hotel is so overrun with tourists rather than right. people that are actually staying there which are also tourists i get it i know yeah but uh, if you're paying that much money i feel He's like you should want have a more a inclusive experience, experience. Yeah. um I will say, the restaurant was phenomenal. Our yeah. service was always great. Nice. But finding people that could talk to you about the hauntings... Yeah. It was harder. So, I got some great pictures. Maybe I'll post them in the Facebook or Instagram. I'll send some to Rue, too. Definitely. Um, And you can see our Stanley Hotel experience. Love it.
1: Yeah, I... I've been really close to it. I've just never made it there because it's been one of those things where it's like, it's out of my price range to stay. And since it is an operational hotel, I feel weird just going to go.
0: Going to go. Right. Like, yeah. Like, I, I would recommend that over staying there, honestly. Yeah. Because you're going to get exactly, if you're a ghost yeah. person, you're going to get exactly that, yeah. you know, that experience regardless. Yeah. Why pay I more. feel like I...
1: I feel like I would at least need to pay for a ghost tour because, I don't know, it's always just felt weird to just, like, go for free and just be like, can I use your bathroom, I guess? Like, I yeah. feel like you need to contribute something. No, and and you time have to go ghost tour. Yeah. Every time that I've been in Colorado, it's ended up being kind of, like, quick, quickly yeah. planned and, and the Stanley
0: books up in advance. It does. It really does. I had to book my so. room, I think, about four months in advance. Yeah. So, yeah. it was... All of...
1: All of my Colorado trips since I lived eight hours away was like, oh, you want to go to Colorado in like two weeks? Yeah, sure. Let's yeah, do it. Yeah, right. Yeah. And by yeah. that point, I, I think I looked once and I was like, yeah, that's not happening.
0: Uh, so, Stanley Hotel. Ruth, yep. should we tell them where to find us? I think we probably
1: should. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Supposedly Pod and also YouTube. Oh, we yes. keep forgetting that. We're on YouTube.
0: We're on YouTube now. Yeah. Please email us at supposedlypod at gmail.com if you have any stories that you'd like us to cover, or if you have any paranormal things. Yeah. Experiences. We do want to start doing more listener episodes, and we'd love to tell your stories. In addition to that, uh, I just want to throw it out there that our Instagram hit 100 followers. Talk about that again. Um, And we're really proud of that, but we are always looking for more. Yeah. As always please like and give us good comments and thumbs ups and five stars on whatever streaming platform you listen to us on. It really helps other people find yeah. us. And and the most helpful
1: thing you can do is just send this to a spooky friend of yours, someone else who's into this weird true crimey, paranormal, mysterious stuff that you are. Yeah. Share it with a friend who might like this it.
0: podcast and talking to you guys every week. So um share it with a friend and keep our motivation up to keep doing this thing because this is the best part of our week (laughs) literally and happy haunted holidays happy haunted holidays from us here at Supposedly. supposedly yay